on today's Sound Iron Podcast, we are going to talk about gardening. We're going to talk about Michael Giacchino. We're going to talk about Skrillex, uh, our Knightson box grand piano, and more. Craig, are you ready? Skrillex. We're going to talk about some dubstep. A little bit. A little bit of Skrillex. So I wanted to tell you that Skrillex accidentally set his stage on fire um, in Barcelona. And uh, it was apparently the lights got on fire. And uh, so they paused the show for 10 minutes. And then he came back out and he was like, sorry about that. And rock and roll continued. But you can watch fan recorded footage of the fire and people are laughing at like Skrillex is literally setting the stage on fire. Now, coincidentally, he has also teased a potential third album of 2023. Uh, So I'm asking you. Is it just excellent marketing or was it an accident? He's dropping some fire tracks, literally. And right. just, yeah, well, I mean, that yeah, that kind of stuff is scary, dude. Like, it's like, like, did you ever hear about that? That great white thing that happened a while back? No, where because great white, they were like this big hair band in the 80s. And I think they were like doing like a comeback playing clubs and not okay. arenas anymore. And they had brought all their pyrotechnics literally within like 30 seconds. That club was like on fire oh and like and a bunch of people died and yeah so it's like when you hear that kind of stuff like that stuff's scary like there was also i remember some like situation where there was like a tornado i think in chicago and like crushed crushed the roof of a another band that was playing it's just like man like when stuff like that happens that is that is scary but i mean planning a fire around a marketing campaign i mean that's I mean, it's a small, a very small fire. The lights, a couple lights caught on fire, lots of smoke, and then they put it out really fast. So like, no harm done. No one was injured. I think so, maybe it was controlled just to get a little. I mean, I, does he really need that kind? I mean, I would think he has a big enough fan base. He doesn't have to burn everything down just to get a little, uh, a little clickbait on the internet. But, a little action. Yeah, it's hard to say. I don't know. I mean, I don't really hear people talk that much about Skrillex anymore, so I don't know. But I also don't really listen to that kind of music, so. Uh, well, I'll keep you posted if I find out any more um, detective activity. Uh, so the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is Joan Baez on drawing. And this lady says, if I really don't like what's happening, I drop the drawing in the swimming pool. If I've gotten too precise about it, the imperfection brings it to life. One of my friends said, tell me just one thing that will last. Make as many mistakes as you can. When you're trying to make it perfect, trying to make it exactly what you want it to be, then it's time to drop it in the pool. Hmm. And uh, I, she means literally drop it in the pool. Like take a take a drawing, a piece of paper, and like throw it in the pool, and then look mm-hmm. at it, see what happened. You know, your ink has smeared, and creative, mm-hmm. interesting things, accidental things have happened with water. But mm-hmm. uh, the art of drawing and visual art is very similar to music in that if you're gripping it too hard and trying to squeeze perfection out of it, it helps to let it go somehow. So I didn't know if you had any ideas on how to kind of release the music and let it breathe. Um, I can tell you like for, for me, I really like randomizing things Mm -hmm. and that's why the quadril series uh, has kind of resonated with me is just like having a randomized button and not getting stuck in any one sound for too long uh, mm-hmm. has been really helpful for me. I also do that with uh, MIDI velocity and MIDI quantization where I'll just 
randomize until I find something that kind of clicks with me. Yeah. Yeah. Like using, using arpeggiators and stuff, especially in, uh, you know, in our libraries that, you know, a lot of them, I'd say probably all of them have some kind of arpeggiator in it. So it's like, sometimes that's always like a fun way just because I mean, like ambiences and stuff are cool too, or like whether it's the, the source recordings that you find inspiration from usually hearing some kind of movement for me is very helpful just because it kind of gets me thinking of something that could complement that when it's just like a steady, like single note or like a drone or, you know, that can set a vibe in a different way that maybe leans more ambient. Yeah. But yeah, definitely using those are always, always fun or combining them. Like a lot of the custom effects presets have, have those. So that's always cool. Uh, or just drop your laptop in the water, you Ooh. know, and, and just see what, see what happens. I haven't probably, tried that one. Probably wouldn't. I don't think that applies for music production and uh, her techniques, but yeah. If you're yeah. Mike Peasley, you might drop a field recorder or a cell phone into the pool while it's recording. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, that could be cool as long as you can get the content that you need. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, honestly, like it's sometimes when I feel like I'm not getting the idea that I want or like things aren't happening in the way that I want. Sometimes like I'll, I've literally like maybe an hour or so in, like I'll just trash it and start over just because it's like, if, if you can't move forward, it's like, it's like trying to do a puzzle without all the pieces. Like if it's not coming together, then just like you gotta either just get away or start over like because mm. some, sometimes i'll get an idea midway that i'm like well this wouldn't really work for this but i kind of feel like i'm getting more inspired to take this in a direction that you know gets you pumped up a little bit because it's it's nice when that happens and you get in that flow but it that isn't always the case and right. sometimes you just gotta just scrap it like i know there's some people that like if if things aren't moving in like 15 minutes they'll just start something else which is probably the better way like sure. just kind of knowing like knowing instinctually like when you you're feeling those creative flows happening when it's not clicking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she also says later I began drawing with my left hand instead of my right, like writing backwards using my non-dominant hand opens a different compartment in my brain. I discovered the results were less restrained and more fluid and therefore more interesting. Hmm. Uh, and I thought the same thing about playing musical instruments, like one way to have that beginner mindset and that uh, creative discovery is retuning your guitar to a new tuning mm-hmm. that you're not comfortable in oh yeah yeah i love doing that kind of stuff i've i've actually written some pretty cool things using like open like um oh, it was like it was like some kind of like minor add nine kind of kind of tuning I, I i can't remember which one it was but um yeah when you're just like strumming every open note and it just sounds like this really cool chord and then you could just kind of like move around create little melodies on top of that and you get some really really cool ideas doing that or just yeah or just like playing instruments i know we've talked about that a bunch you know sometimes like if you're like trying to write on one instrument it's like probably try something else uh i have a banjo and i don't really know how to play banjo but i just tune it to guitar tuning so we call Mm. it a a ganjo and i'm very comfortable playing ganjo and it Mm -hmm. sounds more or less like a banjo most of the time uh like someone playing poorly on a banjo but i'm playing <laughs> i'm playing it like guitar voicings yeah that's like me on the seagull merlin i'm like i'm not like the greatest player on that thing but i like to just sometimes just play with tunings on there too i think there was one i was playing around with it was like because it's normally dad and yeah. sometimes i'll just like take the the top two notes because they're tuned in unison so it has like that kind of chimey double 
like 12 string guitar is almost effect uh-huh. and sometimes i'll i'll tune that maybe down a half step yeah just so it has that that kind of more like a little bit more of a darker kind yeah, of sound tension in it yeah some dissonance or else everything just sounds like you're hanging out on a i don't know a mountain in scotland or something or i don't know i don't know where <laughs> i don't know where these instruments come from somewhere in nature yeah, yeah you know hanging out with a bunch of leprechauns they're dancing around <laughs> you and all that kind of thing i think Good that's uh, yeah th- those are different plants i think so the next thing is gardening this is a, a gardening mantra and uh it's for perennial plants so there's a saying it says sleep creep leap and in the first year a perennial plant will focus on foundation anchoring its roots so it can survive dormancy in the winter the second year the plant comes out of dormancy and starts to grow both up and down so this part you can see and the part you can't see you can expect to see blooms but the plant hasn't reached its full size or full flowering potential in the third year the plant takes off and comes into full form so first year it sleeps, second year it creeps, third year it leaps. And we can also use this for creative work. And uh, at first, there's some idea taking root, but you don't know anything about it. It's growing underground without your knowledge. Then you find an idea creeping, blossoming, and growing, so you nurture it. And finally, the idea bursts forth into full life. And so I think that's like kind of what you're talking about with saving ideas for later or saving musical ideas for later is you're Mm -hmm. like, well, this doesn't work for this composition, but I will put this aside and come back to it at a later date and it might be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's times where I would just be noodling on piano and just like, kind of like, you know, just playing around trying to, you know, I'm not like a pianist by any means, but like, you know, you wouldn't, we just want to try to build build the chops a little bit on an instrument you're not that familiar with and like sometimes i would come across these little musical ideas and i would just like screen record it yeah. or like record it like an like real quick just to have these little seeds but sometimes you forget about them that's the thing like you got to really like have a folder that's like labeled ideas in all capitals and keep it on your desktop because then it's like stuff will just get like lost into like are you randomly do you ever do that like come across these like little like something something musical idea or like <laughs> yeah. like like possible orchestral sketch and then you're like, wow, this is really cool. And it's like, oh, this was like three years ago. Why didn't I do anything with it? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, document it. So that way you don't lose those cool ideas when they when they come. My whole voice memos folder on my phone is just random ideas. So if I want like a guitar riff, I can just mm-hmm. go there and be like, oh, wish you hadn't played it like that. Do you, do you record them or do you sing a lot of them? Uh, I try to play as much as I can just because... Mm-hmm. I'm not that good at skittily bopping. Yeah, you're not like dunk 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 dunk. All right, this is going to be a groove in seven eight. Let's go ahead and then the bass is going to go boom 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 boom, and then throw some skibbity paps on top of it. Skibbity bap. Speaking of playing an instrument, we just released Delphi Volume Two, the Knighton Box Grand Piano, and I wasn't aware of Box Grand Pianos at all until we started working on this library. I don't know if you knew about the square grand or the box grand. Mm-mm. No, I, I didn't know about that either, but it's a, it's a pretty cool instrument. I, I guess they're pretty rare. Like there isn't that many of them. So there used to be, it used to be the best selling piano in the world. More box grand pianos were built and sold in America and Europe than any other type of piano combined in the 18th and 19th centuries. So these were household instruments. They were like entertaining for the parlor, but the upright piano 
came along right after the box grand and it blew it out of the water. So it was uh, easier to move and make and uh, it didn't take up as much space. But the box grand looks like a box. Uh, it's a it's a cool looking instrument. It looks like a rectangle, and it's much more squatty than an upright piano that that sits mm-hmm. upright. Um, the strings go sideways in it, so they contain much of their sound internally, and they're often said to have a more intimate sound than other piano styles. So it's a very close kind of mm-hmm. situation where it's it's not resonating out into the world as much. And uh, because of that, we recorded really close mics and then we got some uh, mid distance mics. So there's two mic positions on this mm-hmm. and there were some broken keys. It has plenty of character. Um, we captured this in a museum in Knightson, California. Yeah. And then did a bunch of really cool sound design with it. Mike Peasley went off into experimental land and just did all these crazy ambiences because one of the things i really like about this it's like i mean i I definitely i don't know for me i don't know how how you feel it kind of reminds me of that sort of like old-timey older sounding piano like like you said like parlor kind of things makes me want to like walk into an old western bar or something right and uh so it's like it has that but um all the sound design stuff is honestly some of my favorite aspects of it because you can play them all individually and in, in the walkthrough, I'd, I show all this, or you can use the layered one, which depending on the, you know, how hard you press on the keys, there's different dynamic layers that are mm-hmm. different amb- ambient layers. So depending you know, on how hard you press or, you know, or how, you know, where you are on the keyboard, like you could just get all these like really cool little surprises. Yeah. And some, yeah. Cause sometimes I would like play a key. I'm like, Oh man, like what, what ambience is that? You know? Cause there's someone that's like swell in or like do these like really crazy pitchy, just all over the place movement. And it's just really, really interesting concept because you can just kind of, you know, especially if you're wanting inspiration and you're just, you know, Oh, what if I pray, you know, if I, if I play this hard or this soft, you know, you have all these little surprises. So it's pretty neat. It's a good way to create something you weren't expecting, which is what we mm-hmm. were talking about earlier. It's just like getting some randomness in your life. Mm-hmm. So that is the Knights and Box Grand Piano, and it is on sale this month for $29. So the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is Mr. Giacchino. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say he did a song with Skrillex earlier when you were saying, saying their names together. I was like, oh, Skrillex is going to be on some... Some new uh, Marvel soundtrack or something. (laughs) (laughs) It could happen. You never know. This dude might be underrated. You think so? I think he was really popular like 10 years ago. I think he was he was talked about a lot and I don't see his name as much these days. Like just his career arc is really impressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially nowadays, you see a lot of certain composers getting used pretty frequently like mm-hmm. i remember like benjamin wallfish i would always see him popping up on stuff brian tyler's always doing stuff bear mccurry like you have like those kind of like those certain guys in the industry that people tend to you know just probably because working. they have it yeah because they have a team and it's like you know and that sort of thing like um it's kind of how i felt about like alexander Desplat. like certain certain composers that you follow is like oh i feel like i don't really hear them but maybe i just uh haven't seen 
or hurt about any of the the movies that they've worked on or just attention somewhere else but yeah it's like what have they been doing lately that i've seen that's the main Mm -hmm. thing that people are always talking about is like what's the last thing you did that i've watched Mm -hmm. um but mr Giacchino was born in new jersey he's italian obviously new jersey yeah and he began combining images and music at age 10 when he began creating stop motion animation with homemade soundtracks in his basement. While in high school, an art teacher recommended to his parents that he attend the school of visual arts in New York city. And he got to visit the school with his parents. And he said, this is fantastic. They actually have colleges like this where I can do the things I'm really interested in doing. That was amazing to me. And so they sent him to SVA and he majored in film production and minored in history. During his last year at SVA, his instructor in film publicity announced an unpaid internship was available at Universal Pictures. Giacchino was the only one interested, and he obtained the six-month position, which he filled at night while attending school during the day and working at Macy's to pay the rent. Damn. (laughs) Yeah, he's grinding. So Mm -hmm. he, he graduates from SVA in 1990 with a Bachelor of Fine Arts, after which he took music classes at Juilliard and then at UCLA. So not sure exactly about those two things, but when his internship at Universal Pictures ended, Universal hired him. So I guess he did a good job working Mm -hmm. six months for free. Um, So he got a job upon graduation from college. He later moved to Disney. And when Disney relocated to Los Angeles, Giacchino moved with them. He worked in publicity there. He was taking night classes in instrumentation and orchestration at UCLA while working for Disney. And he got to meet a bunch of people at Disney, as you might imagine. So when mm-hmm. a job at Disney Interactive opened for a producer, Giacchino obtained the job thinking he could hire himself to write music for the games he produced, which is just hilarious, right? You're like, like man, is there, how do you have enough time? <laughs> he's like, I'll, I'll produce it and then I'll just hire myself to write the music. It's like, man, that's a, that's a busy man. That's called creating your own work right there. That's true. So Giacchino's composition work for Disney Interactive during the 16-bit era included the Sega Genesis game Gargoyles, the Super Nintendo game Maui Mallard and Cold Shadow, and the various console versions of The Lion King. However, yeah, did you play any of those games? I think I played the Lion King game for Sega. Um, the 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 other ones, I don't think I ever played those. I used to have a Sega and play like what are some of the games I used to play? Uh, well, Mortal Kombat, obviously, or right, like right, Pit Pit Fighter, like really cheesy, like kind of just like you know, just two D or whatever, like yeah. little fighting games or those sort of things, or like Primal. Was it Primal Rage, the one where you're like you're like either like a dinosaur or like these like like gnarly versions of animals, and you're just yeah. like it's almost like Mortal Kombat meets Beast Animals. Okay. Yeah, that's, it's, that's it's ringing a bell. Fun. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I played Gargoyles. But um, his first major composition was for the DreamWorks video game adaption of The Lost World Jurassic Park. So this is a big winner for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, the video game was one of the first PlayStation console titles to be recorded with an original live orchestral score. Oh, wow. He also got the first four installments of the Medal of Honor series and started scoring several other World War II related video games uh, like Call of Duty. So he's composing for these video games 
And J.J. Abrams in 2001 was the producer of the television series Alias. And he really liked uh, Giacchino's music for his video games. And so he mm-hmm. was like, hey, do you want to come score this show, Alias? And Giacchino's like, well, I haven't scored any shows yet, but yeah, okay, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> and I don't know if you've watched Alias. I've watched the first season a long time ago. Um, Alias. Is that, was that the one with... Uh... It's Jennifer Garner. Oh, yeah. She's like a kind of like a... She was wearing like disguises and stuff yeah. like that or something. She's like kind of like a spy. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. I, so I know I've never seen it, but I think I remember seeing it like on like promoted on like the USA network or something like years yeah. ago. It was a big show. So the soundtrack featured a mix of full orchestral pieces and intermingled with upbeat electronic music. So it was very pulsing and pay, like fast paced, very it's upbeat, like, like intense. Yes. Yeah, spy what, stuff. What every uh, like NCIS and all those type shows started like, boom, like, or was that, um, or like 24 or whatever with uh-huh. uh yeah like all those types of shows yeah very like what it, what ended up being sort of like the staple for any sort of like action tv like production music that's like all that is yeah Pul- pulsing synths and 16th note heavy percussion rhythms and you know some little short string stabs you gotta have the stingers yeah yeah <laughs> so he works on alias it's a hit it goes well uh him and jj abrams just two peas in a pod and jj abrams is like let's do this show called lost and that was in 2004 just absolute chaos abounds success success wise right like yeah each week the whole the i feel like everyone was talking about lost i that's like one of those shows i've never seen but yeah i remember everyone was talking about it i also have not i've watched probably two episodes yeah, isn't it like really confusing or something? Or I think like yeah, I think I think they didn't know what to do with the story in later seasons, and they just kind of ran it off the rails. Yeah, it's kind of like how The Walking Dead. Eventually, you're just like, dude, like, come on, right? Like, eventually, all these zombies got to just be like, I don't know, just decayed by now, and yeah, you would think most of them would be killed off. It's just like, <laughs> well, it is hard to land the plane, you know, like finish the story up. Yeah, plus you don't want to lose that Walking Dead money. They're like, hey, let's <laughs> right. just keep it rolling. Right. Make the fans angry. Yeah, right until the until the fans just get really pissed. <laughs> and then, then you just bust a Game of Thrones. So one of the things he did in Lost was he took spare pieces of plain fuselage and made percussion out of it. Oh, which okay. Is, which is fun. Um, but in 2004... After doing Alias and starting Lost, uh, Mr. Brad Bird approached him and said, hey, would you like to do The Incredibles? And he was like, well, I haven't really done upbeat jazz, uh, James Bond style music before, Mm -hmm. but yeah, let's give it a go. And The Incredibles is just an amazing score. It says Brad Bird had originally asked John Barry to do the score who is best known for his early his work on the early James Bond films. But mm. John Barry was reportedly unwilling to repeat the styles of his earlier works, which I think He's is like, I ain't trying to do that again. Well, you should have. <laughs> that was another success, right? Huge. Yeah. 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 So Giacchino was nominated for two Grammy Awards in 2005 for The Incredibles. He was nominated for Best Score, Soundtrack Album for Motion Picture, 
and best instrumental composition. So he worked with Disney a lot uh, in his early career, and he did video games like Mickey Mania and Gargoyles, films like The Incredibles, and he actually collaborated with Walt Disney Imagineering in creating two new soundtracks for Space Mountain at Disneyland, which I thought was interesting. Went on to just have a crazy career, but he's work he's worked with J.J. Abrams several times on like huge successful TV shows and movies, and with Brad Bird. Uh, so you see this like partnership with mm-hmm. with various composers that we've talked about here before. But if you can have like long term games with long term people, it really pays off. Yeah, I mean, it's like obviously that's all you know a big test to his uh, a test is um you know work ethic, but yeah. you know, but also saying yes to the right opportunities, you know, because he could have been like, ah, well, you know, I'm not really, I don't really do that James Bond kind of style, right? I, I think I'll pass on this because you know maybe because I'm busy. Yeah, I'm well, obviously very busy, <laughs> but then just kind of like, eh, you know, maybe if you're not feeling it, it's like, yeah, make makes you makes you wonder like. Some of the things you say no to when it comes to like certain certain gigs, it's like could that have maybe like really paid off in the end? But obviously, he uh, listened to his gut and made some good decisions. Exactly. So he did Ratatouille. He did Up. Oh yeah, I, I love the music for Up. Uh, that's a really good movie too. Yeah, um, he did Cloverfield, and then in 2016, he composed the score for Marvel film Doctor Strange. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorites. And that was a huge movie. And he's gone on to do some Star Wars movies and some Spider-Man movies. And he did the Batman and uh, just had an absolutely monstrous career. Yeah. And he's probably in slowing down. And that's the thing. He's only 55. Shoot. Some people don't even hit their composing peak at that age. But this dude was just hustling the entire time. So it's like it's just all just building up and building up. Yeah, and I think one of the most interesting things to me is that he went to film school rather than music school at first. Mm-hmm. Like he got his bachelor's at SVA and he talked about how he was always making short films in his youth and he's directed some stuff, he's acted in some stuff, mm-hmm. um, just like cameos and things like that. But he understands what like the filmmaker wants and I think that mm-hmm. makes him a way better composer. Uh, because it's so there's so much diplomacy between the composer and the director like that relationship is so important Mm -hmm. and if you can understand what what he's asking for it really helps speed things up yeah it's like when we when we talked with david cadell on here you know he had almost like a very similar uh pass where you know he went to school for film and and video production and all that stuff, but always kind of had a love for the music part. Right. And then just sort of like, it's like, all right, so instead of my director hat, now I'm, I want to get my composing hat going. And yeah, I, I, I definitely think it is helpful because you're, you're not just seeing it from a music composition standpoint, like you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're seeing it from the other way. And I think that kind of stuff, especially being a composer, that's why I think Hans Zimmer's kind of, so in demand because he he thinks about it a lot from that perspective not just like oh i'm gonna write this sick track not that hans zimmer would ever say that but you know what i mean like (laughs) it's not about you showing like flexing your your you know musicianship it's about doing that thing justice because it's yeah what services the movie yeah it's not just you know hey this is um i'm gonna score up and then do a bunch of um alias music to it like that's just weird 
you know, right. you gotta, you gotta do it. He also did Star Trek and Mission Impossible. I can't leave those off. I mean, just absolutely huge, huge movies and series. Blockbusters. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently he's a really nice guy. That's what I've read from everybody. Yeah. I mean, he, he keeps, he keeps getting callbacks. So he seems to be well liked. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be a nice guy or no one wants to work with you. You'd just be, <laughs> be that jerk that everyone's Unless- like, I don't want to work with that jerk. All right, I think that I think that wraps up Michael Giacchino. If you have any fun facts that I did not share about Mr. Giacchino that you know, uh, you can comment below on the YouTube channel and tell us, you know, give us your sources, but let us know some interesting things that we missed. And that takes us to our recommendations section. So uh, I have a couple things to recommend. Number one, right. Arturia Microfreak just released a firmware update. It's a free update 5.0 and there is now sample import and granular synthesis on the Microfreak. So this is the best bang for buck synth on the market. If you're looking to get into hardware and you don't mind the weird keys, I think you can buy it for like 300 bucks. Definitely, definitely on reverb for that price. And uh, it's worth your while. If you're just trying to like tweak some knobs and play a hardware synth, Mm-hmm. This ha- is just the most feature-rich thing out there, in my opinion. Interesting. One of, one of these days, I'll dabble in that. But yeah, just and you can also rent them. Uh, we've talked about buyer buyer music on here before, but that is a service I really like. If you just want to uh, rent a synth, yeah, yeah, just go to Guitar Center and say, "Let me get one of those things." I'm just <laughs> give me one of those synth things there. I'm gonna I'm gonna test it out. Just give it a little test. And then the other thing I would like to recommend to you is Unravel 2, which is a game on Xbox. Uh, Mm. It is a local co-op game, perfect for couples. It's like a relaxing sort of puzzle game, like a 2D scroller. uh, And you guys are like your yarn creatures that are attached to each other. And you swing around and um, try to solve puzzles and get past obstacles and things like that. And uh, we just... My wife and I just beat the game, uh, not, to, right. not to brag, but um, yeah, you're flexing right now. Yeah. You're flexing those game skills, son. Yeah. Uh, true gamer here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Unravel 2. If you want just a nice, atmospheric, uh, lovely music, fun, fun time. Nice. And yeah. your, uh, your significant other doesn't have to be great at video games. You're like, just, just sit back. I got this. <laughs> no, I mean, you, you both have to, to do stuff, but it's not like, uh, it's not a button masher. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, button mashers. That's that's me playing any of those new Mortal Kombat's where I'm just like, I don't know. <laughs> and then, like, you find yourself doing, like, the same move over and over, and then the, the person you're playing just gets pissed off at you. And right. It's like, like, can you do any other moves? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man. Like the, it's funny whenever like you, you talk about like affordable synth stuff for me, I'm like, damn, like that sounds cool. But like, I've been like getting back into like, we're not actually getting back, but like, uh, cause you know, we, we recently played that Milwaukee metal fest yeah. a week ago. And speaking of guitar gear, my other guitar player, Ivan, he got this thing uh, called it's from synergy amps. Okay. And they're like these little preamp modules. So, you know, normally when you would get ahead, you know, it's this big, heavy, clunky thing. It's got, you know, the preamp and then the power amp, which, you know, powers it. And, but it's just, it's a lot, you know, and, and these little modules like are maybe, I don't know, like six by six or six and a half by 
eight or something. Like I think the housing is actually like not much bigger than like a beefy audio interface. Okay. But the cool thing is, because uh, you know, whenever you're playing festivals, uh, usually they'll have some kind of backline, but yeah. maybe it's not necessarily what you use. Like, let's say you're like, oh, I really like a Bogner Ubershall, but all they have is like a Marshall JCM 900 or something. You're like, that's eh, not really. I don't know if I can get the chugs on that one. You know, you're like, I, I I'm willing to kick it. It's, it'll work for like kicking it over, but I can't yeah. play through it. Yeah, yeah. Use it to hold your drink or something. Yeah, it's a good prop amp. Yeah, but um, but he got the the angle Powerball, and okay. dude, that thing just sounds like if you're like into high gain amps, like it just sounds gnarly. It sounds like just as good as the big beefy Powerballs, you know. So yeah, I've been looking at those, and I'm like, man, these little enclosures that they have, like you just pop them in, like like you're popping in like a radio in a car. Okay. And just do 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 screw it, and then the only thing is you'll that you'll need like a power amp with it, but you can run it through the effects loop of of one of those heads that let's say you don't like because that's Got what it. he did. So he could just take the preamp, use the power amp from the actual head, but he's getting his tone from from the preamp. Cool. So so it's a really cool um, travel sized head that you can literally throw in your backpack. Instead of, you know, you know, traveling with a big rat case or, or that sort of thing. But you can always carry kind of have your tone. Got it. So you can either get like a rack version that has a power amp or you can use like one of those little like a like a Seymour Duncan power stage or some some kind of you know power amp. But as long as you have that, you're good. But man, those things sound rad. And then uh, I was talking to you about the the neural amp neural amp modeler. Yeah, I think, I think also goes by NAM. So yeah. not to be confused with N-A-M-M. This is just N-A-M. Right. I'm surprised they didn't try to like pronounce it a little differently or something. But um, yeah, it's this uh, open source amp modeler that this genius dude created. And you can profile your your actual rigs, use them in your DAW. Like, you know, if, if anyone's familiar with like positive grid or neural DSP or even like IK multimedia has got some, some amp stuff, but I'm just like, man, like, cause I saw Ola England. He's this uh, Swedish guitar dude who I've been following for a long time. He did a video where he was uh, profiling his, one of his amps. Nice. And it sounds, sounds really good. I think the only thing he did was use uh, a different cab IR impulse okay. response for it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that sounds really good. And, and anyone can go on there, make your own download ones that have already been made. Um, uh, my buddy Mendel uh, was talking about them, and he actually did some profiles of his rigs on there too that you can download for free. So it's really cool. It seems like a really cool community-based thing that you know it's like kind of like the blender of amp modeling or something. It's just like <laughs> how is this open source? Like it's crazy, right? Yeah, but, I I've yeah. downloaded it and I joined the Facebook group, which seems to be very active with lots of people adding their own um, models and lots of uh feedback going back and forth but Mm -hmm. i have yet to plug it in and play it so i got to do that this week yeah it seems seems pretty cool so i would recommend that check out that neural amp modeler get some neural amp modeler some some free tones tones all the tones some sweet gains sweet (laughs) (laughs) all right i think with that we're gonna wrap it here uh if you're still listening thank you so much please subscribe Leave us a five-star review and we will get back to you right after these messages. 
Adderall. <laughs> oh, whoops, wrong song. <laughs> All right, Craig, catch you next week, my friend. Nathan, I'll talk to you later. I'm sure I'm going to talk to you again about something. Yeah, in just a few minutes. Yeah, just a few minutes. All right. Peace out. Peace. <laughs>